Okay, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell too many stories. Otherwise, we're going to get lost here. I do want, I do want to share because it's funny how God does things, eh? So, like, even as I was away, I was away this week, and I, at about Tuesday, I'd phoned Dan or messaged Dan and said, I just prep to preach because I don't know if I'll have a gap to share anything. Obviously, we're busy. We're in meetings from nine the whole day, sitting, having meals with guys. Marnie was wanting us to connect the whole time with the different guys, so there was very little time to rest. But at some point, God dropped something in my heart, and I thought, man, I want to speak on that. And then, and so I prepared, and I thought about, you know, I can meditate, and I think of things, and da-da-da, and I'm like, get home last night. I got landed in, landed last, uh, yesterday afternoon, and last night, the kids went out to watch a movie, and Nick and I went for a walk on the beach. And so I just started to say, I said, this is what I want to share, and she says, babes, did you listen to Dan's preach from last week? I was like, no. She says, no, I think you need to listen to it. So I was like, what? She says, it's... In a very similar vein of what you want to share. And so this morning I woke up early and I quickly two-speed dance, preach, two-time speed. Like, there's my preach, <laughs> kind of thing. I was like, come on. He preached what I wanted to preach. So who wasn't here last week? Great, I'm preaching to you. <laughs> but I actually felt like in that moment, like he was saying some of the same phrases and the same things I had in my mind. But as I was prepping, I actually felt the Lord said, no, but I want you to share what you've got to share because you've got a little, different, a little different angle and actually because I want to say something. And I was reminded of a, I don't know if it's true or if it's one of those good old preacher example stories where the bishop got up one morning, started preaching, the Lord loves you. And he gets up and sits down. Next Sunday gets up and preaches, the Lord loves you. Gets, sits down. The third Sunday gets up and says, the Lord loves you. And sits down and one of the parishioners comes to him and says, uh, my name is Bishop, whatever they are, those guys. He says, why are you keep on preaching the same thing three Sundays in a row? And he says, well, until you guys start doing what the Lord tells you to do, I'm not going to change the message. Well, I think the message was, love your neighbor as yourself kind of thing. And it was a very simple message. But so I did kind of think the Lord's saying, it's not that maybe you've been, you're not a stubborn people. I will say that. Okay. I'm not preaching this again because you're stubborn. But I do think the Lord wants to drive something home. And, uh, and also the angle that I might take might be a little bit different from Dan's, but that's okay. So listen with your ears, your hearts, not just with your ears. Listen with your ears, you. Well, what else are you going to listen with? Kind of thing is a bit dwarf. But anyway, let's see what. So, so, the, so the, the title would be this, a God idea versus a good idea. A God idea versus a good idea. And that's what's been just going over and over and over again in my head. And um, when I started thinking about that, I was like, God, what do you want to say? And I was reminded of a story in the Bible, and you might all know it pretty well, of where there was an incident when someone did something that was a very good idea, but it actually turned out to be the worst idea ever. And because they followed their own impulses, really, more than actually following the Lord. And it's the story, actually, and it's actually quite relevant, the story, because it's, it's actually it's, it's a cause of what's going on in the world today. And that's the story of Abraham and Sarah. And her thinking she knew better than God and asked for her husband to take her maidservant. So let's just quickly turn to Scripture because I want you to see where it is in the Bible that it's not just Chad sucking this out of his thumb. My voice disappears every now and again. It's because I'm on this 100-day cough thing that everyone talks about. And actually, I was singing better this morning. I felt I could reach some notes I couldn't reach. So, so let's just have a look quickly from um, Genesis chapter 15. Judah, if you wouldn't mind just sticking that up there, and we'll look at it together um, from verse 1. Eh? Is that my right? 
Hang on. Have a... Sorry, 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 sorry. Genesis chapter 16. Sorry, let's go there first. So there's a story in the Bible, and maybe some of you don't know the story. I mean, if you don't know your Bible very well and you haven't been, if you haven't been raised up in the church, some of us, I realize, don't know their Bible stories very well. And these stories in the Old Testament, as much as they're before Jesus' time, are very important because they are a shadow of things to come. Okay, the Bible talks about how the Old Testament wasn't to be nullified and just pushed away only for the Jews, but it's actually, it's almost like the building blocks of, for the New Testament. And so we need to hold on to those scriptures. And so there's a story in the Old Testament about a man named Abraham and his wife named Sarah, and they actually considered to be the father of the nations, the father of the Jews, the father of the Muslims, and the father of the Christians, actually, believe it or not. And so Abraham, everything goes, I mean, how many of you remember singing Father Abraham had many sons, many sons. We all remember that song, for, well, if, if you did go to kids' church when you were little, Sunday school. Um, but I'm not assuming that everyone has grown up in church. But this story goes around this man. Oh, sorry, you keep putting it up and then I'll talk away. Let's put it back. Keep it up there. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave and perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham agreed. With what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave it to her husband to be his wife. This is quite hectic. I mean, look, it is, you've got these cultural things and a whole lot of vibes there. But still, for, to give your husband your slave, it's a bit hectic. And he slept with Hagar and she conceived. And when she, was, when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. So already when she's pregnant, problems start. Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. So let's just stop there for a moment. I don't want to read the whole chapter. But here was a situation where, actually in the, the book before, the chapter before, maybe let's just go there to see what God had said, and, and then I'll, I'll parallel the two with what God had said and what man decided to do kind of thing. So let's go back to chapter 15. And we might just have to whittle our way through to find it because there's a lot of stuff. And after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid. I'm your shield, your very great reward. Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my state is Eleazar of Damascus? Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. The word of the Lord came to him and said, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your, uh, but a son who is your own Flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look at the stars. Count, look, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall you also be. Let's stop there. So there in the chapter before, there's a promise that God gives Abraham of children. God speaks. God speaks. That's God's idea. But it doesn't happen for quite some time. So I can imagine they get a little bit impatient. They get a little bit restless and wondering, did God really speak? And so they take it upon themselves, or especially Sarah in this case. And look, Abram was a willing and a betting partner here. He wasn't, I'm sure he wasn't resisting. Okay, let's be honest. It wasn't like he was being forced, Hagar, on him. Like, Hagar wasn't forced on him. He was a man. His wife was saying, yeah, take your slave. And, and so... They made their own plan. They, and, and, and it was a good idea because he needed an heir. They weren't seeing, they weren't seeing an heir come, come be born from the, his blood and flesh. And so, 
so, so there was the sense, man, we, we, need to, we need to have a generation come after us. So it was a good idea, but it wasn't God's idea. Because, I mean, in all, I mean, they needed an heir. I mean, they, that's how those people lived. Like, he needed, he needed it. So it, it, was, it was pretty important that he was able to have a son in order to pass on the family lineage. And, to, and so, so there we see the situation, and, and I'm, I'm going very briefly because I don't want to keep us too long this morning, of, <clears throat> of a son coming out of their own planning. And if we look in Galatians chapter 4, we can see from verse 22 how it talks about that Abram had two sons, one of the slave woman and the other of the free woman. His son of the slave woman was born according to the flesh, which was their decision. But the son of the free woman was born as a result of the divine promise. So the difference between a God idea, which was the child born of the free woman, the son of promise, and the child born to the slave woman, which is now the son of the flesh. Good idea and a God idea. And when, I, when you start thinking about it, I mean, going on in the Middle East and Israel right now stems from this bad, bad call, which seemed like a good idea at the time, but it was actually a bad call. Because what we see happening in Israel, the Muslims versus the Christians, and uh, Muslims versus the Jews, sorry, and actually the Muslims against the rest of the world, basically, is as a result of this good idea that they thought they had. Let's give him my slave woman, let him fall pregnant. And, and if we read this story, and I'd encourage you, I'm not going to go through, but go and read Genesis chapter 15, 16. Go and, how many, I mean, I know you all read your Bibles. Young guys, you read your Bibles? Good, no? You reading your Bible? You guys reading your Bibles? Old folk, are you reading your Bibles? Old folk. Funny how my finger came straight here. Sorry, didn't, didn't, mean, didn't mean to do that. Roy's not with us this morning, so. <laughs> the older generation. Um, if you, if you don't know that story very well, go read it. But it'll maybe just, but I, I realized in this that, uh, you know, the good idea was birthed out of, a, out of an impatient heart, actually. They were impatient. They were wanting it to happen now, Jung. Let's make this thing happen. And I think so often we act like this. And so that's a little bit of a story. It's an example in the Bible. I mean, I don't want to build too much around it. But I want to use it just an example of how a good idea, actually birthed in the flesh, actually can become a bad idea. And it was actually rooted in impatience. They weren't patient. They weren't waiting for God. God had promised something, but they weren't prepared to wait it out. And so how does that apply to our lives? And what, how can we, what is the lesson we can take from this? And, I, and as, a, as someone who served the Lord for many years, there's been many times when I've had some great ideas but they haven't been God's idea. And I'll share one quick, one quick story from my life of where God, whether it was a good idea and a God idea. So at one point in our time in Cape Town, I've been on full-time serving the Lord full-time for about 18 years now. And uh, we were in the Sunningdale AM, PM congregation and part of, an, part of, one, of the, one of the teams there. And we, my, my parents are getting old and we think, man, let's get a piece of property. We're going to buy a place, with, build a, have a granny flat so they can come live with us and Let's share the costs, make cost of living a bit cheaper. And so we start looking for property. And eventually we come across this incredible piece of land out in the plots area between Melkbus and Table. If any of you know that area, it's called Morning Star. And we found a piece of land there. And I was like, yo, the neighbor had horses and paddocks. The girls are going, yes. Thank you, Jesus. 
and it was trees, and we could see the mountain. There was eagles. It was bush. It was lovely. This guy, 1,000 square, what, uh, a hectare, what's that, 10,000 square meters? Million rand. My dad says, come, let's do it. We can build a house. You know, that's, you can sell your house, and I'm scheming, I'm scanning, and I'm, we're praying about it. We're thinking, yo, this is great. This is a wonderful idea. I start showing it to my friends and telling my friends and dreaming with them what we could do. We could make it a church campsite too. We could bring the congregation and have picnics here. Like I'm selling it as best as I can. Come on, guys. Can you just see it with me? Kingdom. Beautiful. (laughs) Come on. And it's only five k's away as the crow flies through the bush to Tableview. Which we're going to put a road there anyway. We, we're not out of time. Come on. It's beautiful. And I was plotting and planning. And so I got the deed of sale. And then there was one little thing that happened. Like in the, in the, in the well, the, not the deed, the offer to purchase. The gentleman had sent me the documentation. But there was one little clause there that was like, he still needs to subdivide the land. I was like, hmm, okay, what does that mean? All right, I'll park that there. But I've got the offer to purchase and I'm about to sign it. And I'm a, literally about to sign it. Literally, got it in my inbox, and I felt the Lord say, have you chatted to Andrew, your fearless leader, about this? <laughs> no, I've chatted to Phil, I've chatted to Brett, I've chatted to Grant, I've chatted to all the other leaders. I felt the Lord say, so whose team are you on anyway, their team or Andrew's team? And I was like, okay, alert. So I phoned Andrew, I can't get hold of him, he's in Ireland on missions or visiting the churches there. So I'm like, what the heck? So eventually I voice noted him. Andrew, won't you just, like this and this has come up, I'd love your, just your perspective, what do you think? And he says, Chad, can we discuss this when I get back? I was like, come on, the guy's waiting for me to sign this. Anyway, so I wait. He gets back, get hold of Andrew, and, and finally, like three weeks later, finally get him on a phone call. Now I'm chomping at the bit. I want to sign this thing. I want to get going. I'm impatient. But something inside me just said, just hold the line. Wait, wait, wait. And I got back. And he phoned me. Eventually got back to me. And he said, you know what, Chad? I don't feel it's right. My world just fell apart. I thought I'd heard God. And he said, no, I just don't feel it's right. So I said, what do you? So then I feel it's not here, I'll be honest. So what do you do feel then for me? Kind of thing. <laughs> you know, that kind of, well, if that's not the answer, what is this? No, I wasn't that song. I wasn't that. But I just, I just had to go, oh, okay, what do you feel? And he started to. But he started to actually impregnate a hope and a desire in me to lead congregation again. He said, I see you're going to lead a congregation one day, and I've got more for you. I believe God's got more for you than that. That's going to take you out of what God has for you. And in that moment, I was just like, okay, all right, this is hard. My good idea suddenly got blown out the window. But God had an idea for me. And if I had bought that land, it would have tied me up financially so much, and as well, I went back a few months later to just going, oh, if only we had. The neighbor had built this wall around his property that made it look like a prison camp. The view was gone. The beauty of the nature and the like this fish eagles and was gone. I was like going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you spoke to, to Andrew and he heard your voice and that I actually listened. Okay, can I just, I listened because I would have been seriously, and then about a year and a half later, Andrew asked me to move to George. Asked me to come and take over leading the congregation. And at that time, it was Benny in the morning, 
uh, Benny in the, in the botanical gardens, and he asked me to come and lead with Benny and Bob at that time. And here we are, six years later, two congregations. Look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. If I had time, I wouldn't be able to own the property I currently own. I mean, yeah, it was just crazy, crazy, crazy how a good, what seemed like a good idea for me at the time was a really, really bad idea in God's eyes. And so I just wanted to maybe stir something in you guys this morning in terms of how you make decisions and how you are able to plot and go forward. Because so often we get an idea, we get a thought, and we go, man, God's speaking. And we really believe God's speaking. But I really, I really believe that there are a number of, number, of, number of things. There are actually three things that we can put in place just to help us. When, when, we cross, when, we, when we hit a crossroads with big decisions. Now, I'm talking big decisions. I'm not talking about what clothes you're going to wear for church. Okay. Like my daughter's coming, like, I'm God. Daddy, is this all right? Does this look good? No. It's, it's not about just minded, but I'm talking about big decisions. That was a big decision. How many of you know buying that piece of ground was a massive decision? But I'd missed out one thing. And so they, I, I, over, the, over the years and as I've grown, I've seen there, there need to be three kind of things that help us actually make those big decisions. And, and it actually correlates with something um, very clever. Can I have your watch quickly, love? So this watch of my, my wife's, I actually forgot to wear my watch. I was walking to church. I was like, oh, I forgot my watch. So the Garmin watch, what's, like it's one of the simpler ones, but it works with a, a, there's a little chip in here that picks up the global positioning s- systems, satellites, GPS. You know, what? have you all heard of GPS? Okay, so this watch works on GPS. So what it does is when Nikki runs, it helps her track where she's been, where she's going, where she, and maybe even it'll help me keep track of her, make sure she's not sitting in the coffee shop. She should be running. <laughs> but it's, it's, got, it's, got a, it's got a little processor in here that catches a couple of satellites and cell phone towers and helps correlate her position, and that's how GPS works. It needs three, it needs, it needs three satellites, or three, it depends on the system they use, yeah, it's three, but it depends either on satellites or sometimes cell phone towers. Depends on the system they use. But nowadays, it's actually satellites. Needs those three to pinpoint her location. With two, you're going to miss something. You'll have maybe the latitude, but you won't have the longitude. Does that make sense? So if, 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 if you look at things, you've got an axis. You've got an X and a Y. And... X marks a spot kind of thing. But in order to get that, you need three points to find that exact spot. With two, you can be anywhere along that one line, but you'll be on one half of the axis. You know what I mean? Does it make sense? All right. She needs three things to find her position. So when I run and when I track as well with that GPS and some of the guys who run and cycle, constantly, constantly the satellites are tracking your position. And sometimes, I mean, I've run with Dan and he was like, oh, my watch is on the blink today. I didn't want to work. Doesn't work, and you look at his map, and it is like, where were you running? <laughs> it's because one of those satellites wasn't functioning properly, or it wasn't picking up that satellite. Something in his phone needed to be updated. I was in Zambia for some reason. My phone wouldn't pick up the satellites in Zambia. Actually, even Joburg, I don't know what was wrong. It was locked into George. How's that? The moment I turned it on, yeah, it was fine. But we need those three things in order to find the position. And the same way in our lives, in terms of making decisions and making choices. And making God ideas, not good ideas. Because I think if we only have two, we're still going to have a good idea. But when we have all three things lined up, I, think, I believe we're going to have a God idea. 
And so what are those three things? And very, very quickly, I believe, firstly, it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It's the written, it's the Bible. It's the written Word of God. I think we don't undervalue and under, undermine this book. How are our decisions? How do they line up with God's Word? Do we make decisions and do we actually ask the Lord to speak to us through Scripture? Do we pray? Do we, we need to pray. We need to go before the Lord. We need to hear His Word. And I believe God speaks in, in well, there are three ways He speaks. It's through His Word, this. It's His voice, the Spirit, because we're all filled with the Holy Spirit. I hope we all are. If you're not, we need to pray for you. And the third way for me would be the leaders in the church. So going back to my story, I felt I'd heard God. I must be honest, I didn't have a scripture about maybe I could have found one. I'll extend your tent, put, stretch your tent, spread out your tent pegs. And I could have found a scripture. I felt a peace in my heart. I felt, man, I felt that peace. Felt that peace, yes. But I didn't, hadn't submitted it to my leaders, so I was... I was actually one out of three there in that case because I hadn't had a scripture. But I know I've made many other decisions in my life. Well, I've, I've been faced with other decisions in my life when I've made two, but I haven't had the third one. So, I've, so it's like I'm one degree off. And we know the, the story. If we're one degree off, yeah, down the line, we're going to be maybe 10, 20, 30 degrees off. Have you, have you, have you, do you know that analogy? Anyone not, not know that analogy? Just quickly, I'll do it for the sake. So we draw a straight line. If I'm one degree off here, yeah, and I walk along that line of one degree off. By the time I get to the back wall, I'm probably going to be about four or five meters from where I started. That's crazy. And so in this sense as well, if we don't have all three things lining up, we're going to be, we're going to be off. And it, it'll, it might be the greatest idea. It might be the greatest idea since sliced bread. But because we are missing it by one degree, we've missed it. I mean... You've missed it, you've missed it. There's no like, I was one degree. No, you've missed it, you missed it. And so I really just wanted to encourage us that in our processes of making decisions, and many of us are faced with business decisions, finding spouses or choosing a spouse, even starting a family, buying a property, purchasing a car, or for the sake of my dear friend, hiring a vehicle, Getting a job, a dog, a getting a dog, a getting a fourth dog maybe, yeah. No, let, no but I, I'm like talking major decisions. I'm like, you know, I mean, we used to have a guy in the church back in the day that would like, must I drink orange juice or water today? It's not like that kind of dwarf stuff. Or should I wear this t-shirt or that t-shirt? Lord, what t-shirt should I wear today? Or one that's not going to expose your stomach, young ladies. Just putting it out there. But I think when it comes, how many of you know that what are the biggest decisions we have to make in our lives? I always say, finding a, finding a, well, actually for me, the biggest decision that you're ever going to make is choose to follow Jesus. And to be honest, the Holy Spirit is at work in that. He's actually speaking. You can talk to any person who's following Jesus. They'll tell you, actually following Jesus is the best thing. But it's part of the Holy Spirit speaking to you that's leading you to him. But joining a church, joining a, joining a family, that's a massive decision. 
Because our destinies are entwined together. Now, there's a couple of guys that are still visiting and checking us out kind of thing. Our destinies are entwined together. And so choosing a church and choosing a family that you're going to be part of is a huge decision. Don't take it lightly. Go before the Lord. What does the Lord say? Does this church, do they preach what the Bible preaches or do they preach some weird stuff? Do they, like, find out what they preach. Find out what they believe. Quickly. Because we don't have time. We don't have time. Time is running out. Okay, I'm just going to throw that in there. If, the, if, what, if what's happening in the East at the moment is anything in line with the, the, the book of Revelations or whatever, I think we are very, very soon going to see Jesus. And you know what? Don't, get, don't, don't, don't long for it to hang out because Jesus says, eagerly desire the return. Eagerly desire. So I know for some of the single guys are saying, just, can I just get married first? Can I? The Bible, don't. Just eagerly desire Jesus to come back. All right. So, I've lost my train of thought now. Big decisions. Choosing a church. Choosing a family that you're going to be part of, that you're going to build because our destinies are entwined with each other. You're going to learn from us. We're going to learn from you. We're going to grow together. I've loved it, like just use Naris and Lindy, for example. They've only been with us four years, five years maybe now. When they came, Naris was like a sponge. Honestly, I thought this like, like, he just, like, I didn't know him very well, but he would sit and have coffee with me, and he would just like, I think he would make notes like he's making notes now, but he would. He would make notes, because he'd always come back to me. Actually, funny enough, the first time he ever heard me preach was this message, and he still to this day uses it as a point of reference. So the first time I met him, like we would sit, we'd chat, we'd have coffee, and I was just like this, like, he's just taking it in, taking it in. And at some point, I suddenly realized, hang on a sec, this oak is not stupid. He's actually quite sharp. And, and I started to learn from him. I started to get stuff from him. And so there was this, this mutually beneficial relationship of, of like, actually, I've, he's learned from me and I've learned from him. I've grown from him. I've been enriched. My life has been enriched because I know him. And Dan as well. I'm just using them as examples because I'm closer to them than many others. But I've learned so much from them. And that's the same like this in this body. That when, we, when, we, when we choose a church and we, we, when we get slotted in, man, we grow. We are better together. We are so much better together. Choosing a church, choosing a spouse, youngsters, guys, choosing a partner, a life, a life partner. Choosing a life partner. It's the biggest decision after choosing to serve God and choosing a church family you'll ever make. Because again, your destiny is entwined with that person. I've known some guys that have made the wrong decision. They thought it was a good idea, but it wasn't a good idea. They had people going, no, don't do it, don't do it. Everything inside of them, because I mean, when the emotions are involved, and that's the challenge, when the emotions are involved, man, we follow that thing. Yes, I feel good. And of course you feel good. You were designed that way. God, that's how God designed you, to feel good. But is it what God wants? And then you get into the situation where I didn't see it. You know, they say marriage is blind. Sorry, love is blind. Marriage is the eye opener. <laughs> Tori likes it. Right? <laughs> Choose wisely because your destiny is entwined. You're either, I've seen guys, to be honest, and it's sad because I've known many guys over the years where they've, they've just made a bad decision. They thought it was a great idea at the time. And man, they walk with a limp. And you know what that means? It means they're not actually running for God. They're, they're, they could have been running for God. 
And so don't, I could, you know, and it's not only with life partners, but it's also in terms of your career, choosing a career, choosing what you're going to study. Some of you guys are at that precipice where you might start studying. And I know we've, having, we've been having a few discussions with some of the young guys about what their future looks like and what God's got for them. That is massive. You know, my dad got so frustrated with me because I didn't want to be an accountant so I could help him in the business. I wasn't going to study tax law so I could help him in the, <laughs> do his taxes. I was like, there's no ways I'm going to do that. And I used to frustrate him. And I said, Dad, God's got more for me. And, and he, he had grace for me to find my path. And, I, and I, they now look back at it and say, thank you, Jesus, that you chose that road. So be careful in terms of the, you know, the road. Don't set yourself. I was, I was actually, this, this last week I met a youngster. And I, there was a part of me that was a little bit grieved in some regard, because I know the, God's, I know the, call, of God's on his, the call of God on his life. But his wife, actually his new wife, is taking a different path. Not from him, but in terms of her career and what she's plotting for her career. I won't give you too much details because some of you might know who they are. But I just, when I heard that she's going down that road and he's here, yeah, I was like, oh, there's a... I hope she's making the right decision because I look at this youngster and I look at the call of God on his life and I'm going, man, you're the youngster that could affect nations. You could take, take cities for Jesus. And so by a decision that seems like a good idea, seems like a great idea what she's doing, please, like, don't get me wrong, but is it, is it God's idea? I wasn't able to have the discussion with him because it's not mine to have with him and I trust he is with his leaders. But I think, Youngsters, when you make these decisions of what you're going to study, chat to your leaders. Chat to your leaders. Please. You could set yourself on a goal that when you're 40 years old, you look back at it and think, well, that sucked. No, honestly, I, how many of us have met people that have, that have, like, for 30 years they've been in a career, and they think, yes, I missed it. I missed it. It seemed like a good idea at the time. And so I am so grateful for this family, leaders, that we can. So we can hear God, but the fact that we've got leaders, that we can bounce ideas. I, I love some of these young guys that are chatting to us constantly, like trying to just plot a way forward, so that their decisions are not just good ideas and good decisions, but they're God's decisions. God's decisions for their lives. Even for the younger, younger guys. The younger, younger guys, you know. Like, Megan, with your, your kiddies, already now, start to train them. Start to train them, core and grace, I know. Start to train your youngsters to, to hear God's voice for themselves. It's not hard. Actually, I think it's easier as a kid to hear God's voice than it sometimes is for an adult. If you train, because I, I think with adults, we get cluttered with so much junk. There's just so much noise. But for a little one, there's something pure, there's something almost innocent in them. And I think, I mean, we see that in the Bible with Samuel. He was a youngster sitting at at the, uh, in the temple, and the Lord spoke to him, didn't spoke to Eli anymore, but spoke to Samuel. Train your youngsters. Gareth, train your youngster. I know, she, I know he's very young, but I tell you, there's going to come a time where you can start training him already at a young age to hear the voice of the Father and also to, to get your perspective, to get and to listen to you and actually to obey you because you're setting them up for the future. You're setting them up for the future. And, and it is, it, and, and don't, like, I want to just backtrack a little bit. That thing of, don't allow impatience. And, I mean, we, we've become a, a, a people that are incredibly impatient, actually. If the Wi-Fi is slow, 
if the Wi-Fi is slow, we get frustrated. If the cars aren't moving as fast as we'd like them to, the traffic, are we sitting, we've become this speedy generation. I think it's the biggest play. Actually, can we just take a moment to slow down and wait on the Lord and hear Him speak and not be rushing through things. So it's, it's a little bit of a different angle, but I felt like the same theme is coming through, that actually, what are the decisions we're making? Are they just our great ideas, or are they God's ideas for us? And so, you know, maybe you're sitting here as well, and, you, and, I, and I think Dan did it excellently last week, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make a call for you to kind of repent because, you know, I'm stuck in a bad place, and <laughs> we've covered that. But I, I almost want to set us up just for going forward, that is, you know, when we... we when we go forward, make your decisions based on three things. Your time with the Lord, prayer, prayer, spending time waiting on Him, hearing His voice in the Word, through Him speaking through His Spirit, through other people, and then submitting it to your leaders. And there's more than three things. It's like probably one encompasses, it's a little bit of a, a point one, point B point, you know. But I think if you get those things in place, I believe God will take you so far, and you will, you will go for it in his kingdom, and you'll be in the safest place. I, I want to close with this last scripture, and it's Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. Just put it up there quick. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that, that prevails. Let, let, let the Lord's purposes prevail in our lives. Let's not be doing things on our own ideas and our own agendas because we think it's great. And, and parents as well, I want to just say something. Your children's destinies, because I know we, we can be quite strong in terms of where we, how we school them, how we make opportunities for them. You know, we, they're good rugby players, so we make, open all the doors. Or they're good artists, make, open all the doors. We, we, need to, we need to weigh those things very carefully. They're good, you know, I'm just, even my daughters, I've got, like, like my son, I like, I'll just close off with this. Noah's, Noah's life that he's walking out right now, we haven't made that decision lightly at all. Even this last two weeks ago, there were some huge discussions around his future in the eldership <laughs> because of the gifting on his life, the gift in his life, the call of God in his life. And we had to walk away from that and actually just say, Ken, we need to hear the Lord. For our son. We, yes, we submitted into the team, but we need, to, we need to make sure that we have heard the Lord for our child. And he's 19, and he's, he's going to make his own decisions, but he's still under, still under my wing. He's still my boyki. And so we need, to, we, need to, we need to be waiting on the Lord so that we don't just do it because it was a good idea. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that sounds cool. Because it, it might work. But is it what God has? And what is the Lord's destiny? For our children. You want to add? You want to close? That's, that's on my heart. And so uh, I trust that it speaks to you. And that we would meditate on this. We wouldn't just like go, oh, great. But we'd, we'd really ponder on it. And allow the Lord to lead us and guide us. Because he is taking us forward. And you need to know as well, sorry Dan. Just, that even the decisions we make as a leadership. I mean, yes, there are three of us. But there's more than three of us actually. We're part of a greater eldership. We bounce ideas of other men, get their perspective. And so I'm constantly plotting with the GPS for us as a church and where we're going 
We don't, we don't make decisions lightly. I think we've made some decisions that some guys think like, yo, that seems weird. You need to know that we weigh decisions very heavily, um, not just lightly.